Yeah, welcome to Anarchists and Androids. It's a weekly anarchist podcast reviewing uh, various science fiction TV shows and movies. And uh, I am parenthesis I, and joined here with my co-host, uh, Logar the Barbarian. Hello, I'm Logar the Barbarian. And yeah. right now, we're for the next couple of weeks, they have Star Wars series coming out and or, and that's what we're going to be following every week for now and we may talk about some other sci-fi as we're delving into it um in adjacent things and of course i'll always wander off into some random territory like normal <laughs> so we have episode four what now what was the title of this episode again did you did you catch oh. <laughs> i'm not prepared with that now so. <laughs> oh yeah with this episode and all the episodes it's uh definitely the most mature like adult star wars thing ever <laughs> that i've seen <laughs> at least on you know tv uh or movies the so episode four is old honey is old honey the planet that they were that they went to oh yeah uh, probably think, i'm not I sure so. <laughs> i'm going with that <laughs> so i i'm really enjoying it so far it's 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 different than Mandalorian. Mandalorian took this very like like spaghetti western approach to Star Wars, and I was saying for a long time that I would like to see an Obi Wan series that took a spaghetti western approach. Well, I got that spaghetti western approach, just not with Obi Wan. It was <laughs> Mando. Yeah, and they both both of the series you mentioned go to Tatooine, the desert planet, which. So many Star Wars TV shows and movies have gone to Tatooine that I'm kind of sick of that <laughs> planet and desert planets in general. Well, I'll tell you, I lived in Southern California for a while, and I'm not sure where they're filming, but I suspect that a lot of it might be filming out there because there's there's this big old area of desert out there where they film movies constantly, and I think it's just cheap to drive out there and film a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, if it's just right outside the studios in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, it's, Amboy is actually not right outside. It's probably a few-hour drive. I want to say two- to three-hour drive. It's right there between, uh, kind of between Vegas and Palm Springs, I guess you could say, out there. But we drive through there. There'd constantly be film crews out there and people dressed up like cowboys or spacemen or whatever driving. <laughs> and there'd be a film crew be like, oh, they're making some weird movie over there. And there was a diner out there in Amboy. And this old guy is like, there's nobody, there's nothing in Amboy, California, but like a post office, this little motel and a diner. When you drive up, it says like Amboy, welcome to Amboy. And it'll literally say like population seven on the sign. <laughs> And you go into that diner and the old guy that was there used to have pictures all over. I don't know if it's still there. It's been 20 years. But he had pictures all over the walls of everybody famous you could imagine who had filmed out in that desert and stayed at that hotel. Huh. <laughs> it's a weird place to go. So I wonder if they're not just going out to Amboy and filming them there because it's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode, things took a turn. Like the oh, first yeah. three episodes feel like a self-contained like film almost. And th that's what I've heard. The I forgot from who, that, but like that the plan is supposed to be that every three episodes is kind of like a mini story arc. In the I like in that. Yeah. I like this. I, I like that it'd be like a, like like almost like the three episodes are almost the length of a film would be. 
Yeah. And I like that it's just kind of like episode. I like the episodic approach. I'm really into classic Doctor Who growing up in the 80s. That was my thing. And classic Doctor Who did like 25 minute serialized episodes in total longer story. That way I like a serialized sci-fi story format. Yeah. And they're supposed to already they have like greenlit by the studios to have like 24 episodes two seasons all together and so like yeah you can just like each season will be 12 episodes each and then you could say yeah it would be uh, four of those arcs within each season i like that so if we're gonna get four of those arcs that means we got quite a few more episodes ahead of us that means we've got a three-story arc here which is what this story kind of like they're setting this one up to be a heist of sorts oh yeah like it's yeah, it's like a heist or a political thriller because this one introduces the character of Mon Mothma. Yes, uh, and her husband. <laughs> and and what's really cool is seeing old Skazgard's performance. He really gets to show off his acting chops. I feel because what he does is the character we met, this uh, very grim and serious version of him uh, puts on i don't know i don't know what's the real him the costume i'm assuming the costume he puts on is his day job and he's secretly... yeah he's like yeah yeah so i guess uh skysguard character is luthan and uh he lives on coruscant which is like the capital planet for the whole galaxy and you saw it like in the prequel movies and on coruscant he's like an antiquities dealer like selling like high-priced rare like oddities to like wealthy people yeah, he's 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 got is there's a class divide that you see yeah. between Coruscant and the rest of the galaxy. Because we're used to seeing, like we had said before, we're used to seeing Tatooine, the desert planet where everybody's struggling for water and everything else. But here, Coruscant folks seem like they're doing okay for the most part, at least the people in the high ivory towers. Oh yeah, because <laughs> you know in the prequel movies uh, they show like some of the lower levels of Coruscant where it's lower classes. Yeah, so they definitely have the hierarchy like represented physically by like where in like these huge skyscraper buildings you live. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to to look at it is that the class is like literally like where you if you're at the upper class, you're up at the top above the the clouds. clouds. (laughs) (laughs) Was that movie? uh, Was it called Elysium with Matt Damon? Have you seen that one? No, I don't remember that. It's worth checking. It's Neil Blokump. And Neil Blokump is a good sci-fi director. I think he did District 9. And what I think is interesting about his films that really draws me in is he has – he's a South African director. So he kind of appro- like has some sort of thing that I feel that he's approaching with class and apartheid and stuff like that. Like what he's – it seems as if there is some kind of class consciousness – or some kind of awareness of what's going on with the hierarchy like that in his films. And Elysium is literally a city in the sky that people go to that are uh, the wealthy get to live in in luxury and everybody down on the earth. Life sucks. (laughs) And what's interesting with this series is like, it shows the beginnings of the rebellion against the empire. And you have people like the Luthen and Mon Mothma that are at the top of the hierarchy in society, the upper class. And then you have the title character, Cassian Andor, that's lower class, poor. He owes people a bunch of money. He's on the run from the cops. <laughs> He's obviously <laughs> and, a stand in for some sort of indigenous culture as well that has oh, been yeah, impacted yeah. by like colonialism. And that's yeah. uh, he, he's he's essentially a refugee at this point. And an orphan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. 
No, there's there's this like irony uh, that I feel that we need. Uh, not irony. What's the word I'm looking for? There's this. I guess it, maybe irony is the right word. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me if I'm using the right word. There's this dichotomy. This 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 problem that we're looking at is we're talking about like one of the biggest corporations with the most wealth and money on the planet is cranking out the entertainment we're getting into. They bought up all the stuff we were into as kids (laughs) and they're cranking it out for cash. And then we're going to start sit here and make stuff that addresses like, well, because it's got to be relevant and fit to this story to begin with, they are addressing things like class and stuff in there, but not to a point where it's like they're so revolutionary and radical with it that it's like, oh yeah, that's really pushing the narrative. But those elements are there. Yeah. And it was definitely there pretty explicitly in the movie The Last Jedi that Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson directed. I loved that movie because of it. Yeah. And that yeah. was the one that they kind of turned their back on and abandoned and didn't stand up for. <laughs> yeah. And I think he was like set to like direct three more Star Wars movies I under Disney. That. And then they, they canceled that. I want the Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy so bad. Yeah. I want to see what he was planning. Because in that movie, The Last Jedi, you get this whole theme of like, oh, you don't have to be born into the power, you know? The Luke Vader, the Skywalker thing is almost like aristocracy. Oh yeah, the Skywalker family dynasty. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's almost like aristocracy. It's like you have to be born into it, have the the pure of blood yeah. type thing, like 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 inheriting this. And they did that in the last movie too, the Rise of Skywalker, when they revealed yeah. that Ray is related to Palpatine. So you have all these dynastic families. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and that's a disappointment to me because because the last Jedi threw that out and said, no, you don't have to be born into power. You don't have like like anyone can put up that resistance. And they kind of gave you a hint with the young boy and his little force power bringing the broom out and showing you kids mm-hmm. on that other planet who are. Essentially, I, I, I'm assuming I don't know were they enslaved or something along those lines. Oh yeah, there's lots of slaves. Child, child slavery. <laughs> yeah, all, all over the Star Wars universe, there's slaves. You know, and even like you could say the Jedi Order, like it's they abduct children and they yeah. make them like Jedi slaves and then brainwash them to become Jedi. Yeah, the Jedi Order. I, I have more and more issues with as time goes on, but it's fascinating. I I grew up with these shows. I'm invested in them because as a kid, you know all these major studios were cranking out what it was that was my heroes and my, the things that I was looking up to, the toys that I was buying, the comics that I was reading, the the books that I was even, a lot a lot of times, even the books that I read growing up, you know, these things were bought up and gobbled up by these corporations. And now they realize we have some kind of affinity towards it. And you can make a buck off that. And I'm not going to lie. If they're gonna put a whole bunch of money into making a bunch of Star Wars stuff, I'm gonna probably go see it because I like it. <laughs> I'm not gonna deny the reality that we live in is that everything is accomplished through this capitalist model. Yeah, yeah, it, like you could say, anarchist purity is not keeping us from giving money to the Disney Corporation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like it's like if I'm the one person who doesn't give Disney seven dollars a month. And I just don't get to watch Star Wars. I'm like, what am I accomplishing? It doesn't hurt Disney. And he doesn't topple Disney. <laughs> it's just, I don't get to watch Star Wars at that point. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, oh, let's get back to the actual episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
at one point, I forgot who said it, that, but someone said to Cassian Andor in this episode, you will ultimately die fighting these bastards. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, it, I, it was. It was Asgard, Luthen, Luthen. Yes, it was yeah. Luthen saying it. And that's very much foreshadowing because yeah. Andor being the prequel to Rogue One. And spoiler alert, <laughs> Rogue One is where Andor dies fighting the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I appreciate I appreciated them pull, doing that bit of foreshadowing there, just kind of giving like remember, Andor yeah. isn't going to live through this. He will die fighting the Empire. It is a big horrible thing, and that's how you know most freedom fighters throughout history are. <laughs> oh, and I love that this episode brings us back to Coruscant. You know, because I love that planet in the the prequel trilogy, and we haven't actually seen Coruscant since the third the movie of the trilogy yeah and like that's like really the heart of the whole galaxy and star wars so i'm gonna i'm gonna say something and i know i i try not to say negative things about stuff on the wobblies and wizards podcast especially when it comes to like we're dealing with very like mostly independent creators who are putting out their passion projects is like 90 percent of what we talk about in wobblies and wizards this is a little bit different to an anarchist and androids because we're talking about a major corporation putting out stuff, not like, you know, hey, I made this and this is my passion project. There's a little bit of a difference between the drive behind what pushes it out. So I don't want to talk and I just don't want to be the person who talks negatively about things. And I try to keep it to myself when I have negative things to say. I love Star Wars and I love all the Disney Star Wars and the classic Star Wars. And I was there opening night for all the prequels. And I really dislike the prequel trilogy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I remember you, you saying that. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Like, because uh, I remember I had the most excitement for episode one. And that was yes the, the worst movie. And then less excitement for episode two. And then like, and then eventually by episode three, I had the least excitement, but I think episode three in the movies, prequels was uh, the best one. See, I disagree. I think the first one may have been the best one in my book. Oh, with Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> yeah, even with well, that, because it was the one that I could, I could like with my eyes physically watch the most because they actually shot in a few locations like a movie would. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have a very hard time watching some of those and the excessive amount of CGI kind of hurt my, gives me a headache watching them. It hurts my eyes. It's like watching a video game. Yeah. Uh, so I don't want to spend this whole time talking trash on it though. So I'm going to stop. The movies. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing about episode, about the prequels also, like uh, Jar Jar Binks, you know, he's like a goofy kids character in mm -hmm. episode one. And by the last one, he's uh, episode three, he's a, a senator. Yes. And he's the one that actually like does the critical procedural maneuver to get Palpatine like this, you know, lots of power in the government. And I, I wonder if like Jar Jar Binks is going to be show up in Andor still as a senator or oh, maybe like I kind of hope not. Oh, or maybe I a washed of, up bitter cynical ex senator. I kind of <laughs> I kind of hope we just forgot that Jar Jar Binks happened and we move on without it. And like similar to like when we saw Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy, he was like burned out and cynical. So maybe I like that. a burned out cynical Jar Jar. I like burned out <laughs> cynical Skywalker. I, I yeah. really do. I, I I liked him in in the Last Jedi. He looked cool. I wish that we would have gotten like a '90s era Luke Skywalker. That would have been like what what Mark Hamill looked like in the '90s in a film. Like, give me a '90s trilogy that would happen right after or something like that. 
Oh, yeah, that's Tim what they had Zahn. Book of Boba Fett and yeah. the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah I, w- I really wish, like, the Timothy Zahn trilogy. Have you ever read those books? Oh, no, that's, but I have heard that has the Grand Animal Thrawn, right? The yes, that's where they bring in Thrawn. And I would have loved to have seen them come out with that trilogy af- right after the books came out in that era. That would have been, I would have preferred that over getting the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> I think the upcoming Ahsoka series will like introduce the Thrawn character. I'm excited to see what they do with that. I really liked her in uh, Mandalorian, and I yeah. really just like Rosario Dawson in general. I think she's roughly my age ish. First yeah. time I was aware of her was that movie Kids. Um, oh wow, yeah, that goes <laughs> way back. Yeah, I remember that. So that's kind of like she's like a my generation actor, you know. So. Uh, now I want to go on to what's going on in this episode is they're they've got essentially an affinity group uh, oh, or a rebellion a re- yeah. rebel guerrilla cell yeah Val <laughs> is the leader that they introduce you to and and this whole idea of they don't want him because he's he's a mercenary he's getting two hundred thousand credits for this she's not thrilled with that. These people are like, we want to work with people who believe in the cause and believe in the. So I think that's I think that's interesting to look at (laughs) how many how many people actually did would fight these wars if they didn't get a damn paycheck at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. The true believers. Yeah. True believers. People that use it as some kind of job or source of income. Mm. But like also to remind you, like Han Solo, that's how he got yeah you know and the whole story was like he was another like guy like randomly doing business on the side and did business with a rebel alliance and or i i i I was always a bigger solo fan than i was of a skywalker fan growing up the and i i think that andor is an even better interesting take on that character's archetype um i like it i'm really enjoying andor a lot a lot more than especially than i did the solo film the solo film was not my favorite of the new films. I'm not going to hate on, but it was. I wouldn't put it up there on the highest, best of new Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and what? Well, and they also I forgot when or where in the episode, but they did mention like how Andor was like in the military, the Imperial military, and then also like locked up in the in. The, I guess in the same time, same place as Han Solo. So I was in the movie. Yeah, I was gonna ask. So I was like, that was a little confused. I watched that twice and tried to. So he was a cook, but they said he was underground. So so, and I'm thinking back: is it possible you got like an NJP or something like that that he was in the military because he said he was in prison? Was he just lying, or or did he get into some kind of trouble while he was in, and then he got? whatever well it it sounds like his story very much mirrors that of han solo because i think in the solo movie he was also in the military and then he was locked up in prison and that's where he met chewy yeah so yeah he's he's i guess i guess you're kind of right i i i'm trying to i gotta have to rewatch it because i i i'm I'm a little confused of the the specific details but it was mentioned in that conversation aboard the spaceship let's talk about that spaceship too that spaceship had uh could could do warp speed or whatever is it's it's called warp in this right or no it's called uh hyper or light or hyper speed hyper yeah yeah. i i get i get it i get my fast 
faster than light travel forms confuse sometimes. <laughs> but it's very much like when you're in the Millennium Falcon, it takes off. And apparently the ship isn't supposed to have that kind of capability because he comments on it when it takes off. He seems impressed. He's like, what is this ship being powered by? Like, there's something big, like this starship that old Skazgard's flying around the galaxy in is a little bit more impressive than what you would expect out of it. Perhaps he's got it, you know, souped up a little bit. And it has some oh. sort of security features that seem to take him by surprise as well as he's checking it out. It seems to get a little defensive and speaks to him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess because like that like, Luthan character, he has like lots of money with his like high paying uh, antiquities dealing job. And I guess he's also like a fixer for the Rebel Alliance mm -hmm. as well. Like, And so just uh, so his whole like both the above ground and below ground jobs for him is involves like traveling around and making contacts and meeting people and, you know, just keeping an eye on where everybody and everything is. And that's how apparently he's been watching the Andor yeah. character for a while, which is kind of weird from Andor's perspective, because like he's just like running for his life. His life is a mess to begin with. He, he has to flee the planet and stuff. And then like, he's like deposited in like this rebel gorilla cell where nobody really wants him there. <laughs> And he yeah. seems he seems to know a lot. So he's got access to a large amount of information. And, oh, and Andor question. Andor? Yeah, Luth, Luth, um Skazgar. How do oh, you yeah. pronounce Lu uh, Luthen? Luthen. Luthen. Yeah, it's kind of like Luther, but with an N. Luthen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got access to an amount of information. I'm not sure if this is just what you can publicly look up on the internet in the Star Wars world or what. <laughs> yeah. And he says that he kind of pieces together some of it through his imagination when he asks, like how he feels, his emotional responses, things like that. So I'm he's interacting with folks like senators and Mon Mothma and stuff like that. So he's definitely got some sort of advantage over others when it comes to being able to know what's going on around the galaxy. I don't know how much of that comes from his position in society up there or how much of that is just his wealth can buy him that. Both him and like Mon Mothma have like a double life, you know, where yes. they have the, the legit job above ground job and then they have like the rebel stuff they're doing secretly and they're being watched by imperial spies and stuff and they're they're gonna i bet you next episode if not this next episode the one after that we're gonna see this dinner that they're setting up for mon mothma oh, yeah. yeah because mon mothma's husband is like kind of like a a homebody socialite you know like organizes big parties with like rich and powerful people to come over yeah it's kind of like the, the the impression that i get is you have like like let's say mon matha is like aoc or something and and it's like hey i yeah. got ted it, it seems like hey like i've got i've got ted cruz coming over for dinner and she's yeah. not happy about this <laughs> oh yeah i think one of the, the people that they introduced was Actually, like I found this out from YouTube videos, <laughs> that one of the people that's coming to the uh, party is in the prequel movies, who's the chief of staff for Palpatine, who's standing next to Palpatine when he's in the Senate, when it's in session. It's like this bald lady that's standing next to her. Oh, and so I she has no yeah. lines in the actual movies, but yeah. she's going to be here in Andor. Nice. This will be <laughs> interesting. This will be interesting. You see... After this is done, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to rewatch some things because this. What's interesting about the new Disney Star Wars on Disney Plus the series, 
is that they've taken this because the the prequels had a totally different look and feel from the original trilogy. Yeah. That I don't think anyone can dispute. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a totally different thing. It had a totally different like like vibe and everything else. And they're taking a lot of the aesthetics and the ideas and the things visually from it. And and they've kind of tried to recapture the original trilogy look for Star Wars and things like uh, the Mandalorian and, and this. It's very much more in line with the classic trilogy, visually speaking. And they're taking these prequel elements that were so different and kind of putting them in there. So this is, again, kind of reframing and and puzzling together those two different aesthetics in a way where they kind of mix and work together. Do you think that I'm yeah. off on that? Or <laughs> Yeah. And as well as like making like a spy thriller and political thriller as well. Yeah. It, it's, I, it's, I, I, I like that they're taking different approaches to telling the stories and kind of trying to, trying to go out like different genres and stuff like that. I, I, I want to see them continue this. I, I'm loving what they're doing with Andor. I'm really excited because I was I was watching on repeat the Mandalorian season uh, three pre- trailer recently, and we're yeah. we're gonna definitely have to talk about that when that comes up. <laughs> but anyways, oh, that's a sidetrack. Yeah. Going into like Mandalorian society. Yeah, it, it, I'm I'm curious what they're gonna do now. Here's the other thing: in the antiquities, there's this armor back there, and I looked at it a few times. I couldn't tell if it was like Mandalorian armor. Oh, that's amazing! Sort. Yeah, Beskar armor. Was yeah. that? But it had like it looked like when you see those pictures of like those fan made pictures of like Vader and what's his name um uh, and like Boba Fett, the Mandalorian armor done like sa- old samurai or something. It looked like yeah. that. Um, it's kind of like, I felt as if like, we're getting little glimpses and they're, they're just casually dropping these histories and names of different types of social organizations and whatnot and historical events that I'm not familiar with at this point. And I'm wondering like, what, 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 what he just say? And they did a lot of that in the, in his little antique parlor. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like they're doing some like like with the original Star Wars, we got like okay, a glimpse of Boba Fett for like two or three minutes in in two movies. It didn't last long, and they built all this off of that. But those little glimpses and those little phrases to build up the world, I feel that this is intentionally expanding the Star Wars universe through this little antiquity collector character and sets and scenes. Oh yeah. Or I also, I guess they call it Easter eggs. The Easter eggs, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the hints and callbacks to other shows and movies that are... I, and, I, and I wonder how many are hints to those, because I'm not picking up on them if they are. I, we Maybe I need to go, hey, what are the Easter eggs in the in the antiquities? But at the very least, they're, if they're, they're new stuff or if it's we're referring to other stuff through other medium, because one of the things I know nothing about is... Um, video games and i know there's a lot of lore especially when it comes to like some of the sith and stuff like that oh yeah and then also the the books and the comic books <laughs> yeah so like this and and all these things kind of connect also with what you see on the tv mm-hmm. shows but for me i just watch the movies and the tv shows well yeah. books and comic books i have some familiarity with i've read I, especially some of the novels that came out in the 90s i'm most familiar with starting with the timothy zahn stuff and a few others but the comics I was I had when I was a kid, sometime in the 80s, we picked up this massive stack 
of Star Wars comics starting from like 1977 through. I had almost the entire run of Star Wars from someone's garage sale. <laughs> there were giant bunny people in it and everything else. And it was very bizarre. But those early comics, which I think are disjointed from the later continuity. Oh, yeah. So like when Disney like purchased the whole Star Wars intellectual property from George Lucas, like uh, they basically all the old continuity or canon from all the comic books and books and stuff for Star Wars was yep. eliminated. Out the window. <laughs> and, I, I like that. Yeah, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah a clean slate, a clean start, you know, but then uh, over time, they've been like deciding little bits and pieces from the books and comic books uh, of what they yeah. want to introduce to the official canon. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the way to do it. And here's the thing. I, I've been a comic book geek and, and read sci-fi novels and been into sci-fi movies since and when I was growing up, most of the sci-fi movies I watched were not as impressive as these new oh, movies yeah. that were getting. Yeah, me too. Was... Like I remember like old, I think it was a Disney movie too called Black Hole. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was great when I was growing up. <laughs> A lot of the stuff, like a lot of the sci-fi I watched was just old black and white, what people called B-flicks at the time, too. Really yeah. into that. There's a style of science fiction that where science fiction was more focused on the ideas. And when I say the ideas, like the 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 ethics, the philosophies, the morality tales in the science mm-hmm. fiction, you know, Bradbury, I would put in there and stuff like that asmob where they're trying to get more than just an adventure out of it and i feel that in 1977 when star wars comes out it very much breaks that and goes into the swashbuckler action adventure popcorn movie mold which i feel is not good for sci-fi overall because you lose that whole like the meat behind sci-fi that existed before it while they yeah. didn't have the good special effects that Star Wars had, the ideas in them were a little bit stronger. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, but in a way, people like do say like Star Wars, the original Star Wars movie was like a in the same vein as like Flash Gordon and Buck mm-hmm. Rogers. And it so was, and, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't as much thought put into like the ideas behind it. Yeah, the the old Flash Gordon series. Did you ever watch those growing up? Oh yeah, and also the I'd love to rewatch the movie that Queen does the soundtrack for. Oh yeah, I almost forgot about the movie. I, I my mind goes straight to those old black and white serials. I had them on VHS growing up, and I watched them all the time. <laughs> but yeah, like the old Flash Gordon too. Yeah, you're right. It is a different style. It is just flashy. Ooh, I'm a tough guy here to fight you. Much more based on comic books than like science fiction literature, almost. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that because the comic books, well, I I love comics. Older comics especially had a lot less depth to them. Like especially if DC held on to that through a lot of their stuff, uh, they were geared more towards kids. Oh yeah. Then and like, there was the original Star Wars movie, I think too. Yeah, it, it definitely was, and, and I was, you know, I was born into that world. <laughs> and like and I, as a kid, it was like. Wee! Yay! Exciting! <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting, like I think the original, the character, the Emperor Palpatine, uh, originally he was like there was supposed to be no depth or background to him, and he was just like a blank slate bad guy, kind of like Ming the Merciless and Flash Gordon, right? Yeah. But then, like the whole prequel movies, like add all this background of like political maneuvering for like going from being a, a senator 
to uh, I guess he was chancellor then and then chancellor to like Fuhrer so it's, yeah. <laughs> or emperor you know that kind yeah it's so, like showing the whole progress of that and and I think they show more of that with this series when they get into the senate stuff yeah it's I'm interested in seeing where we're going to go with this. I'm wondering if we're going to see the Emperor at all through any Oh, of this. I hope they do, yeah. Um, Ian McDermott is, you know, he was recently in that last, um, in, in episode nine, um, I'm forgetting the name, oh, the title. Oh, of yeah, the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. He was recently in that. Let me say this about Rise of Skywalker. I was not thrilled about the direction it went after the previous movie, but I liked the movie nonetheless. And I really liked the way that they made the Emperor look just as like eye candy. It's freaking oh, yeah. cool what they did with him there and the Sith dudes in the stands and all. It's, oh, it's yeah. eye candy. It's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the eye candy, but the story was deeply traumatic for me. Yeah, the story <laughs> How was... How bad they did it. <laughs> there was some things I... I they, they took a, a, a 360 there that I did not want to happen. They tried oh, just to like out of the blue, like the Emperor's back. Like yeah. the first thing you see, he's back somehow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I mean, as for what it was, it was... Again, like I'm saying, it was that popcorn fun to me watching it. Like, okay... All right, this is what I get, I guess. Yeah. Some action, <laughs> some swashbuckling fun. Oh, yeah. A quote from Mon Mothma's husband. I don't remember his name, but uh, he says to Mon Mothma, must everything be boring and sad? <laughs> she's so focused on all this heavy political stuff and intrigue and all that. And the husband is like, oh, yeah, we can invite the pres the uh, emperor's chief of staff it's no big deal it's a fun person i think he described like that character as fun <laughs> not as a fascist <laughs> yeah and and like that's very much reflective of how things go i mean especially with folk like you look at these look at the politicians up there when you got like when you have these events where you see like sworn enemy political opponents sitting there like like Buddy ended up giggling, laughing. George Bush and Obama patting each other on the back as best friends. It's like, what? were we sold a light a crock of shit? <laughs> like, yeah. like they're best buds now? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, but in one month, as case she's like involved in a you know illegal underground rebellion movement. Yeah. So like you know she's like afraid you know she can get caught and like killed so like there's really high stakes for her but her husband is like completely oblivious like oh yeah let's invite these fun people over to her house <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, and i i do feel that that is very reflective of how things really go with the wealthy and powerful sometimes <laughs> like just rubbing yeah. elbows because you got power and money for the wealthy and power people that are not connected to underground resistance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the husbands in there rubbing elbows. We'll see. I'm I'm excited to see the dinner. Um, and yeah. I'm, well, there's one thing that we didn't talk, and that's that they had this very long or long. They had some interactions there with. Uh, we wouldn't need to get into is the the corporation, the corporate security. Oh yeah. The Empire comes in and says, okay, we're taking over security for oh, corporate exactly. security. Yeah, and that, that kind of reminded me then historically of when India was transferred. I think it was the British East India Company, and then it was transferred over to the uh British Empire officially to manage all of India. And yeah, I forget what year that was, 
but that is, it sounded like parallel to this. It's like, okay, the corporation can't be trusted to handle it. Like the empire takes over. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's interesting. And I, a lot of times when that happens throughout history, one thing that I'll point out is when the empire does come in, a lot of times they just slap, like they'll just, or the corporation switches hands. A lot of times you just slap either a corporate logo or a, a nation's flag on the old folks who were doing it, and you just get a new head and a new name. But a lot of it's just the same people who were doing it before. Oh yeah, like a, <laughs> buyout, yeah. I wonder if we'll see that here, but that's a thing that occurs throughout history. Yeah, and then that corporate security guy goes to Coruscant also, and then uh, meets his mother. And the first thing his mother does is slap him, and yeah. then like invite him in. <laughs> so they probably there's a whole backstory between them that they're probably going to elaborate on next episode too. Yeah, I'm curious to see where they're going with his character. He's on Coruscant. Is he like, is he comfortably connected in a power structure here? Is he going to be able to pull some strings and try to get his vengeance? Is he going after Andor more? Because I'm sure he's going to go after Cassian. Yeah. And then they introduce this other character in the Empire Security. Uh, they, I forget the name. Oh, yeah, they, they do say the Imperial Security, the Imperial Security Bureau. It, their headquarters is on Coruscant, and so they introduce some characters there. So it's kind of like the equivalent of FBI, <laughs> and uh, and this one character, like this blonde woman, is seems to be another like overachiever, hardworking person trying to climb the ladder or the hierarchy. And uh, but then her boss, like, talks about her, and then her competitor or rival, who's also in the security bureau, and says, uh, you know, even though she has so much ambition and stuff and hardworking, that his quarterly reports are in. However, while yours are not, <laughs> yeah, so bureaucracy. They still love abide by bureaucratic rules and procedures. <laughs> and she seems to be on to whatever plot it is that the rebels are working on, and they're not listening to her. This yeah. is almost mirroring the situation that happened previously before the whole fiasco blows up and they came in and took over security for them, they're, they're going to mimic the same mistakes, it seems. Deidre Miro, D-E-D-R-A-M-E-E-R-O, I believe is the character's name there. Okay. Yeah. So we shall see what she... I'm curious, I'm curious to see what they do with her and how they take her trajectory because she's kind of in the same position that old dude was in in the previous one. And, and what was his name? Cyril, S-Y-R... S-Y-R-I-L-K-A-R-N, Cyril Karn oh, is yeah. his name. So she's kind of like in a similar position saying, hey, look, I've noticed these inconsistencies, something's up. He noticed he, he's paying attention to the murder and he was told just to sweep it under the rug because the situation is volatile. I don't want the Empire coming here taking over. He didn't listen to his hierarchy and that's exactly what happened. Oh yeah, ruined things for his boss. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, yeah. you're you're dealing with, you know, authoritarian hierarchies. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, and then when Cassian like met like the rebel guerrillas, uh, he did briefly mention both the alliance to restore the republic, you know, which is the more official rebellion that Mon Mothma and and company are involved in, and also mentioned the Partisan Front, which is like the rebel group that Saw Guerrero is in charge of, that's more radical and extreme. That's the one I'm excited to see more of. That's yeah. the one I'm hoping we get into. I'm hoping that we get some Saw Guerrero. I love Saw Guerrero, and I'm really excited. To get oh, yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, that's the name of the actor that plays him. I love, I, I've always, I'm, 
I got an affinity for Forrest Whitaker in general, and you and you make him a radical extremist revolutionary. Hey, I'm gonna be excited for this character. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, do we have anything else we need to talk touch we want to touch on before the end of this episode? Oh, well, this also, yeah, the, the heist that they're gonna do for like stealing like the payroll for like the M- Imperial Garrison in one planet. Like they talk about like every three years, billions of crystals pass over the planet. And uh, the local natives have a religious ritual based around when it happens because I imagine it's gonna be eye candy, you know, I see all these beautiful yeah. things up in the atmosphere, and that's gonna probably serve as a distraction for them to try to steal all the money and then hijinks will ensue (laughs) i think that we're going to see that in two episodes i might be wrong i think that this next episode they're going to be building up to it and then that'll be the episode the third episode of this specific contained storyline story arc that we're getting if we're doing four story arcs four trilogies essentially (laughs) yeah which is interesting because like star wars initially was trilogies of movies yes trilogies episodes I like the episodic thing. I'm a fan of yeah. it. Well, yeah. That do we? Do you, I'm oh, that's all out. I have for. All right. Yeah, all I have for notes. <laughs> that's all we got for today. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, uh, give us a positive review wherever you are listening. I don't have a specific sign off for this besides the Wobblies and Wizards mm-hmm. ones, and I'll say that like Wobblies and Wizards, you can find us on Facebook. Anarchists and androids. I don't know if I'm putting up any social media stuff for it or not. <laughs> I'm not gonna immediately jump into that. Uh, we'll see where we go with anarchists and androids. Right now, it's just gonna be our Sunday show in in lieu of wobblies and wizards. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Logar Hill Crom. Do you got anything you want people to check out online? Oh, yeah. That's uh. You can check out my blog uh, parenthesis i dot blogspot.com and i is spelled e-y-e yeah all right and uh yeah i'm on uh i'm on you know wildlies and wizards itself is on facebook and it's just wildlies and wizards we're on patreon and we're on uh, we got our blog wildlies and wizards.com as well so y'all take care till next time (laughs) bye